I met him originally when he was with the Show Me Institute. He left and uh, started working for the uh, Rivers, talking about uh, floodplain redevelopment. Then I moved in down the street from him, and boy, did I realize he was really annoying then. Now I can't get rid of the guy. Of course, I'm talking about David Stokes, who is now back at the Show Me Institute, Director of Municipal Policy at the Show Me Institute. David Stokes, welcome back, Big 550 KTRS. Good morning, McGraw, and it's great to be back in studio. Yes. This is my first time in this studio or any radio studio since, I think, 2019. Yeah, you used to be a regular here. You used to come in all the time. It was nice, yeah. Um, nice to see that, yeah, we're finally starting to get back to some normalcy here. Um, all right, let's get to it. Uh, you were on the show a couple weeks ago talking about this Crestwood TIFF. And there was a big meeting that night. They postponed the meeting till when? Till now? Till July 14th. Okay. So information on the, the, the public forum, the public meeting for the Crestwood TIFF is available at the City of Crestwood website. Right. But, right, it was frustrating when they, when they, they had it. It was June 27th, I believe. And so I get on early. We've, we've submitted testimony. We've, you know, indicated we want to participate. And there was a lot of people on this Zoom meeting. A right. lot of people. They're like, there were 75 people on this Zoom meeting. That doesn't mean there's 75 people there to testify. Right. But there's 75 people on the Zoom meeting. Yeah. And, and they just, they do, they approve the minutes. They open the meeting. They bam, bam. Then they declare they're closing the meeting because they have to, have to delay it. And it was it was definitely a little on the the frustrating side. So, but hopefully there'll be a good public attendance. It's a public event for the public to participate uh, here in a couple of weeks. And this is uh, for the redevelopment of Crestwood Mall, in which they want to put in a supermarket across the street from a supermarket. <laughs> right. They want to. Yes. It's and just down the block from a third supermarket. Right. Right. They've got a, a seventeen million dollar tax subsidy for for Deerbergs and some other. Related developments, it'll be like attached to the deer. You know how it's done. Yeah. Your, your listeners know how it's done, and they've got this subject for that. But the interesting thing is, as much as this proposal says that this development can only be done with a TIF and will not succeed without the subsidy, they're also doing a housing development next to it on the same site uh, on the old Crestwood Mall development site. The uh, McBride Homes is doing a big housing development there. And they're not asking for any subsidies for it. So if they can not get, if they can do a housing development and succeed in that without any subsidies, right. I would think their own words would show that they can do a retail development without subsidies as well. We, and it's good that McBride is not asking for a subsidy. Don't get me wrong there. Right, yeah. Do we know if the schnooks across the street got any TIF money when they built that subdivision or that strip mall? I don't believe they did. It's simply that Schnucks has been there a long time. I think it was built in the 1970s and maybe even the late 60s. Okay. So well before these types of things were done. So I state with fairly high confidence that that particular Schnucks yeah. did not receive any subsidies at all. Now that Schnucks has been um, sort of refreshed. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't look like a 1960s Schnucks, right? I mean, they've gone through some renovations over the times. Right? I, I believe so. Yeah, I yeah. don't. I shop at Schnucks all the time. That's not. That's not. That's not my schnooks. It'd right. be a little, little far of a drive for. No, no, for no. Me. I understand it, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, looking I, from the outside, it looks updated and very nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it really is interesting how, um, you kind of don't blame Deerbergs if you're gonna get it. Why not ask for it, right? If someone's gonna give you money, if someone's gonna give you a COVID relief check, you'll take it. But do do you really need that that COVID relief check? And does Deerberg's really need this TIF to survive and to build a supermarket across the street from a supermarket? 
And the and the bigger question, since it's public tax dollars, is does the city of Crestwood really need to be doing this? And should the St. Louis County TIF Commission, of which they have six, the county has six of the twelve members, should they approve seventeen million dollars in tax subsidies for this development? And I, there's just no evidence that this subsidy-based economic development practices that we've seen for decades now in Missouri works. There's just no evidence at all. It's studied extensively. We have so much information on it up at showmeinstitute.org, and it does not grow our economy. It reduces our tax base. It moves things around from city to city as they chase the subsidy, but it doesn't result in economic growth. I would also think, and this is sort of a philosophical question, maybe, I don't know, but I would think that a town would want more residential development, right? More homes paying more tax dollars in terms of property tax. Wouldn't that be more beneficial than another retail location that has varying degrees of success? I think so. There's a lot of cities, though. You look at the way cities try to annex and, and sort of grab unincorporated areas. And as they go around the area, they love grabbing that commercial that commercial area. Right. That's what they try to annex because they pay, if they don't have a subsidy, which they frequently do, they pay even higher property taxes, basically appraisal and the assessment. They don't require the services that that they do require services. They don't require as many services as a res, as homeowners do as residents right. do yeah so cities view that as a, an easy move i look crestwood should be commended here for wanting residents as part of this development it's right. not all retail right so it's great that they're putting some new homes in there we need an expanded housing supply for for many reasons and we might get into that when we talk webster groves here right but this sort of well, if we're going to do the housing development, we also have to all to do this retail development, and we're going to give them seventeen million dollars of taxpayers' money over the next twenty-three years. I mean, that's just that's terrible policy. You can literally stand in the shopping, uh, the parking lot of the Schnooks across the street and see the Deerbergs where it's going to be built. Right, they're just they're all right next to each other, right down the street from an Aldi. Uh, which I don't think got tax subsidies either. Uh, and we have, a, we have a good video of this up at showmeinstitute.org about this, this mall, and our testimony is available to the public there as well. So people, I hope people check it out. I hope people, uh, you know, finally we're seeing some change in this, in this county. We've seen people in Ellisville and Maryland Heights uh, and, and in parts of St. Charles County as well and Jefferson County right. stand up and start opposing such frequent use of these subsidies, and we're going in the right direction, just fairly slowly in no, the right no, no. direction. I agree with that, but there there is some movement. But um, I was talking about this earlier. Um, you and I live in University City. We can't vote the people out of Crestwood if we disagree with their tax policy, right? Crestwood's a small little town, so only the people of Crestwood get to vote on that. And so the people of Crestwood, or the the uh, mayors and elected officials of Crestwood really are setting tax policy for the region, but yet only the people of Crestwood get to vote on it. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important that they've gone to the county TIF commission practice in St. Louis County and St. Charles and Jefferson, where the county has six of the 12 appointees to the TIF commission, which is enough to kill it. If it's Right. Voted down six six. Then, thanks to other recent legal changes, there's very lim- Crestwood can override that, but it's very limited what they can do with it now. They used to be able to just override it, right. and you'd see the insanity like you saw in Shrewsbury, where the county TIF commission voted down a TIF, and the city of Shrewsbury city council just overrode them and did it did it anyway. Like a city council of five thousand people voting 
vo- overriding a county of a million people. Right. Like, and what you just said about voting, like, you do see that at times. In Shrewsbury, again, the big development they have there on Watson, they put that TIF development in the Afton School District part of Shrewsbury, which is only about 10% of Shrewsbury. The, the vast majority of people in Shrewsbury live in the Webster Grove School District. So they put it in, they did this project in Afton where the overwhelming majority of people in the Afton School District don't live in Shrewsbury, so they couldn't vote their displeasure on why you're sticking it to the Afton School District. I mean, then the people of Shrewsbury just see the, the upside. It's not really an upside, but that's all they see. Wow. Uh, all right, let's get to Webster Groves. What's the controversy in Webster Groves? There's a very interesting happening here in, in Webster Groves where uh, a few months back, Webster Groves City Council passed an amended the zoning code to allow for more duplex housing in many parts of of Webster Grove, to sort of take a step back from single-family residential zoning only and and to allow, specifically to allow duplex housing in many parts of the city on certain lots. And very interesting, uh, just generally speaking, I'm zoning liberalization, especially on our coasts where housing prices are soaring and and difficulties in building new housing and on the East Coast and the West Coast are a big part. This is a, an interesting issue. But some people in Webster Groves didn't like it. I mean, people in suburbia like single-family zoning for the most part. Well, and they don't want a duplex moving in right next to them. Apparently they don't. Right. So they collected signatures in Webster Groves to put this on the ballot. And they got enough signatures, and it's on the ballot on August 3rd. To It's a referendum on this bill that was passed in the city to say, do they want to take this zoning code, or do they want to go back to making these neighborhoods single-family zoning? And there's, I, there, look, there's certainly good arguments on, on both sides. Uh, I respect the right of people who want who want zoning to create their own community. That's what people live there, they vote there, they pay taxes there, they want to they wanna build that community. Uh, I also understand that, like, I don't have a problem with duplex housing. Right. So it's an interesting debate, and it's going to play It's gonna play out here, and the vote is August 3rd. The other thing, too, about this August 3rd vote, America's on vacation August 3rd, right? People are on, people are on they're at the beach, they're in, they're at their wherever, right? I mean, uh, who's around to vote August 3rd on a, on an important issue like this? I mean, it's sort of, right, talk about picking when you want the vote to be taken, right, and sort of voter suppression. I got in trouble for saying this is the worst sort of voter suppression are these offhanded weird-time elections that these munis put on that half the town doesn't even know is going on. Right. And, you know, a lot of people are familiar with your even-numbered major primary, August primaries in Missouri. But, right, you're not generally used to voting in an odd-numbered right. year in in August. Right. So you've got big property tax increases in several other cities in St. Louis County that are on this August ballot and this really intriguing Webster Grove's vote. Like, here's the, the decision is, not trying to oversimplify it, do you want expanded housing, somewhat expanded housing access in Webster Grove's, or do you like single-family zoning as it is? And I do think it relates to a bill that was passed in Webster Grove's about two years ago, which most cities don't have, thankfully, that says in Webster Groves now, 
landlords are required to accept Section 8 housing if, if a renter is going to be paying for Section 8. You're not allowed to discriminate in their housing code against source of income, source of income, right. the Section 8 housing. So I think as I talk to people in Webster and here, they certainly have some concerns that when you combine these things, they view that some members of the city council are, tr- are trying to get more, to, for lack of a better word, more public housing options in Webster Groves. Right. And I don't, I do not like this source of income rule. Like, there's no, Section 8 is a federal program. And you're not, landlords are not required to participate in it. Like, you can do Section 8 if you want to rent your home or apartment for Section 8, or you cannot. So I, I don't think there's, I don't think it's right that somebody should be, a landlord should be compelled to participate in a welfare program if they have no desire to participate in the welfare program. Right. And there's nothing wrong with Section 8 housing. It plays a role, but forcing somebody to do it, I think, is wrong. It's an interesting point. As somebody who owns a couple of rental properties, um, it's interesting, right? Well, wait a minute, now all of a sudden i got to play a role in this, in, this, in this federal policy, and I just want to rent my house and make sure it's safe. Right. And yeah. maybe, look, you, you've owned several, maybe it's right for one and not right for the other, but you should be able to make that choice right. as a landlord. This goes beyond, you know, we had a debate over Obamacare. Can you compel somebody to to buy something? Can you force somebody to buy health insurance right. in that case? Yeah. And the decision was made that, yes, you legally can. But this goes beyond that. There's a There's a benefit that we all have. Health insurance, whether it should be compelled by the federal government or not, we'll leave aside. Right. We should all have health insurance. But <laughs> the idea that you compel somebody to participate, like if you're fired from your job, should it be a law that you have to get unemployment insurance? What if you have personal savings and you just right. don't want to get unemployment insurance? All right. So so the law right now in Webster Groves, they want right now it says you can't build um, duplex housing or apartment complexes or duplex housing, and they changed in most, it. In much of Webster Groves. In in much much, of Webster there Groves. certainly would have been from some parts of Webster Groves with multifamily housing, gotcha. apartment buildings. So they want to expand multi-housing multi, uh, in Webster Groves. Right. Limited, as I understand, to duplexes, going from single-family homes to duplexes. And so this referendum on the August ballot says they want to go back to the old way where it was sort of outlawed in these areas, make, right. it, make it harder to build duplexes. Right. They want to go back to from the parts that they changed to allow duplexes. They right. want to go back to single-family ho- homes only. because they want to vote against what their own aldermen voted for. Right. And yeah. it, passed, it passed widely at the city council. I know it didn't pass unanimously. I believe right. the mayor was the mayor voted against the change about several months ago, and at least one council member voted against the change. Right. Uh, so, let's talk uh, Clayton and Frontenac. What's going on there? Two property tax increases on that August ballot. We'll we'll see how many how many people are voting from Door how many people are sending their votes down from Door County, Wisconsin, and Harbor Shores, Michigan. We'll see how how many people that gets in the mail. Uh, there's a big difference between the two votes. The similarities are they're just going to general funds, so they can fund police and fire and parks. It's just general fund money. It's not specifically targeted to any one thing. Uh, the Clayton. Increase is 18 cents per hundred dollars of assessed valuation. Okay. By as property taxes increases go, that's fairly modest. So to put it in terms, for a half a million dollar house, you'd see a 170 dollar tax increase a year. A year, okay. right? A year. So, so 170 like bucks a if you got a half if you got a half million dollar house, which right. is plenty more expensive houses than that in Clayton. Right. But you can do the math there. And if you got a million dollar 
office building in downtown Clayton, you're going to see a tax increase of several thousand dollars. But it's not it's not gigantic. It's it's a good number. The people of Clayton can look and say, I, I'll pay this. I think I'll get this. I trust my city right. to to do or to not do a good job spending simple it. simple up or down. If you want to give the money, great. If not, do what you want. So Frontenac has... You know, mostly the same thing. Do you want to pay them more and get more services? But the difference is the Frontenac tax increase is is enormous. Like this, this, this baby's a doozy. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Like they're they're more than doubling the residential property tax increase. Nice. So a million dollar. They're doubling the local one, just the Frontenac version of it. Then the Ladue School District's not being touched. So if you have a million dollar house in Frontenac. Plenty of million-dollar homes in Frontenac. Which is a shack. Right. You'd see about a $1,000 property tax increase at this at this rate. You've got a million-dollar home, you see a little bit over 1000 But they are tripling. This is where it gets interesting in a bad and I don't think in a good way. They're tripling the commercial property tax rates in the city of mm-hmm. Frontenac. Plaza Frontenac, if a, this tax increase passes, Plaza Frontenac will pay... One hundred and fifty thousand dollars more. What the mall pro- over there? The, the, the mall. Plaza mall. Right. Yeah. If my numbers are correct, and I'm pretty sure my numbers are correct, the mall would pay one hundred and fifty thousand dollars more at this tax increase. The Frontenac Hilton, which just spent a year without any guests, <laughs> <laughs> would pay would have a forty thousand dollar tax increase. If this passes. Wow. And this this tax increase is huge. Now, it's up to the people of Frontenac. Do they want to pay more for their homes? Do they want to make the businesses of Frontenac pay more? And do they do they think they'll get that level of benefit with increased services from from the city? I it, I don't know how Plaza Frontenac is going to get $150,000 worth of better, better services there. Wow. But that's up to the people of Frontenac, not me. But these are some very, very... Substantial, substantial well, numbers. Interesting, interesting. You bring this up because home values are exploding, and so as your assessed value goes up, right, your assessed number, right, the number you're assessed should go down, right. But it sounds like the numbers, the value of your home's going up, and the val- and the assessed value is going up. So the tax rate should go down, but it, but that's going up. Well, this gets is very interesting and fairly complicated. So, I do believe that hold you on. hold that thought. This is actually interesting. Can we take a break? Absolutely. That's David Stokes with the Show Me Institute. We're going to come back and talk about this because everybody opened up in the mail recently, right? Their assessed value of their home that says this is not a bill, but then it's like laughs at you. This is not a bill. Ha ha ha. This will be a bill at some point. So we'll come back and talk about this. Um, Clayton Frontenac, uh, Webster Groves, and of course uh, Crestwood all have. Uh, August ballot initiatives or August uh, votes in which no one's going to vote for anyway, but uh, you should know what's going on in the area. Hey, David Stokes from the Show Me Institute right now. Tomorrow, Jack Rowan from McPherson Publishing has published an article about crime in St. Louis County is on the rise. No one's talking about that. And then on Friday, we have uh, a former board uh, president uh, of the board of the Women's Exchange, which is a wonderful story about St. Louisans helping St. Louisans, uh, and they've been making handmade uh, handmade, uh, clothing since the 1800s here in St. Louis, still going strong with the Women's Exchange. David Stokes with us with the Show Me Institute. Uh, Pete is on line one. Pete, you have a question for uh, David Stokes? 
I was having a correction for you. Sure. The Schnucks, the Schnucks was built in the 90s on the old 66 driving lot. It was built originally as a national, and it was built with TIF money, which has been repaid. All right. I stand, I will stand corrected. Is that, I thought that yeah. Schnucks, so maybe there was an older Schnucks in Crestwood that wasn't on the, the same older, location then. The older Schnucks was down the street at, on the northeast corner where the Coles is presently at. All right. Thanks My for, confusion. Thank you for that update. You know, speaking about um, uh, tiffs in general and repaying tiffs, so Chesterfield Valley uh, got a huge tiff um, to build the world's largest strip mall. And they repaid it like some insane number of years early. I think they had like 25, 30 years to repay it, and they repaid it in 10, which goes to the argument that they really didn't need it in the first place if they were able to repay it so fast. Absolutely, and they'll they'll give the counter argument. It's just they'll show what a great use of of tax money, what a smart decision we we made in order to do this. Right, but no, it really just means the development didn't need the didn't need the subsidy. Now, Chesterfield would say, but they just used their TIF money for for infrastructure, and and I think that's true. You know, the new levees, new highways, highway exit ramps. Leave aside the fact that I think that. When they built the new bigger levy, they just flooded somebody else. <laughs> like, okay, somebody else, you get the flood. So it's like, I don't know that that's a great thing here. So somebody else gets our flood, and we're just going to roll in the money. But, but yeah, say they used it for infrastructure, and it did get paid off very quickly. And they would argue that as a big success, I would argue, means they didn't really need it. Right. All right. So now back to the question at hand, uh, because property values are all skyrocketing because of the current real estate world. So our houses are worth more. We're all opening up the letters saying that our assessed value is higher. And so now you're going to go to the polls in Clayton and Frontenac for a tax increase on your property taxes. But in actuality, your your rate should go down because your your the value of your home is going up. If 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 the rate doesn't go down, they're getting a windfall they weren't expecting. Well, that relates to and this is that relates to the August ballot. Like this is why if they get this passed on the August ballot and it's approved and it gets on there, it will beat that rollback. Right. So they'll they'll then base the rollback when the assessments are finalized later this year. They'll base their tax rollback from the because you're right. When assessments go up, the the tax rates have to roll back to offset most of it. It never offsets 100 percent of it, but right. to offset most of it. But now they'll if the pa- taxes are passed in August, they'll get to calculate that rollback with the new higher rate. As opposed to if they wait till November or till April of next year, when the April of next year would be a much higher turnout election, at least by municipal standards, then they'd have to they'd be calculating a much larger rollback based on these very large assessment increases. Right. Yeah. It's an it's an it's an interesting game. I don't know how many people actually follow it as closely as maybe you and I do. You follow it clearly more closely than 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 most of us. But it's it's such a shell game. Right. Let me let me just have an independent arbiter decide how much your house is worth and then let me set the rate for that house. Well, housing prices are going up, but the rate should fluctuate with it. But it never does. It's never one to one, never really goes down. And you're always paying more in property taxes. Well, I looked at some of the assessments for some of the properties in in Frontenac that I mentioned and. 
the Plaza Frontenac one, which is tested a very high number, obviously it's worth an enormous amount of money. But their appraisal and assessment seems to be holding pretty steady from 2000 to 2001. So mm-hmm. for their own for their own sake, the right. number I gave should be consistent. That said, the number is going to be calculated citywide, not just based on that rollback calculation is going to be citywide, not based on any one parcel. Whereas the Frontenac Hilton, for some reason, after, again, a year with no guess, <laughs> saw, saw a rather substantial assessment increase in the in 2021 like a like a million dollars or two yeah. but i think that has to do with a few years ago they were doing a massive refurbishment right so their value went way down for a couple of years because they were doing such a huge project on the site and now that they're done with that just in time for an international pandemic <laughs> now they get hit with the assessment increase and potentially the rate increase how hard is it to change these municipality elections from august to more traditional election day well, it's, I mean, they're, in the case of Webster Groves, I think they had to do it on this August special election because they passed a bill to change their zoning code, and then the referendum got the signatures and was brought to them. So I think they're required to put it on the next available election day, right. which happens to be the August special election option. Right. In the case of Clayton or, or Frontenac, or the St. Louis Community College property tax increase that we'll be voting on throughout St. Louis City and St. Louis County on August 3rd as well. I mean, right, it would be, you would change the the authorized dates for this type of election. And I would, I, sometimes people suggest everything just needs to be on the November ballot every other year right. so you get high turnout. And that certainly would be a good thing. But, you know, you throw in already long major presidential election ballots, and then you start throwing out a bunch of municipal issues on top of it. Right. And you'd have, you know, 20-page ballots. And I think most people would stop. They already stopped voting when they get to the judges half the time. Right. Now you go on to more municipal stuff. What's more, I don't like the idea of somebody running for mayor just being totally inundated with ads for president and senator and governor. Like, you sort of lose that. So I would support almost a compromise to really make it – more of a requirement that the April municipal election date every year be the date for across the board or for it, for all local election property right. tax increases bond issues you know city alderman city mayor right that that type of thing yeah because the governor does pick the, isn't the rule the governor picks when the election can be for certain statewide initiatives right when you have a, a referendum or or a or an initiative petition or a constitutional amendment, right, the, the governor gets some leeway right. in whether it's going to be they – they almost always pick between the August primary ballot or the November general election. Depending on and depending on whether, whether they think the, the ballot issue will be good or bad for their party <laughs> or, or what. So, yeah, there's political calculations in there. Crazy stuff. All right, uh, more on the Show Me Institute uh, website? We got a lot more on, on property taxes generally in general, the, the Crestwood TIF – Tiff in general, every everything you wanted, showmeinstitute.org, and people can follow me on Twitter at David C. Stokes. David Stokes, the director of municipal policy at the Show Me Institute. Good stuff as always, David. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, McGraw.